Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Notch. I'm Caleb. And I'm Colin. This week, we bring you legitimately terrible news, less terrible news, more terrible news, and I make fun of the white part of North London. Welcome to this fourth episode of We Call It Soccer. Some of you are new listeners this week, and I just want to give you a quick intro of who we are, what we do. Colin, Caleb, and I are part of two United fans. We've been recording this podcast for four episodes, but we've also recorded many previous episodes of another podcast, which was totally different that we did, called Toughcast. We Call It Soccer is broken up into several different segments, depending on what we're covering within that segment. However, before we get to all of that, before we get to you know the jokes, the funny stuff that we do each week, the fun that we have, there's one story where there's no jokes. There's one very serious story just occurred, breaking news this morning. Or actually, I think I saw the first reports of it before I went to sleep last night, which is that Brazilian first division club Chapecoense crashed on their way to a really, really historic match. Yeah, they were headed to the final of the Copa Sudamericana, really the biggest match in the team's history. And unfortunately, um, of the 77 people that were on their flight, um, only six survived. Um, the plane crashed um, kind of in some of the mountainous areas near Medellin. Um, Colombia. Yeah, in Colombia. Um but um, six survivors out of 77 on board. Um, 21 journalists died, as well as um, the different playing staff, the team staff, um, some of the uh, flight crew. It's, it's just an absolutely terrible, terrible scene with just... It's hard to put this tragedy into words, just the intensity of what has happened, and... Specifically, also, I think the moment in which it has happened, as you said, they're headed to a final historic game for a team that just recently, I mean, several years ago, was stuck in the fourth division. They've been on a high. This was, I mean, literally, it's the biggest game in their history, and this plane crashes right before it. It's trite to say, but Chapecoense were basically the Leicester City of South American soccer. They were a team that really has gotten to the spot that they're at through shoe leather and grit and to be at really the pinnacle of where the club has gone to be going to the away leg of the second biggest competition in South American soccer um, for a tragedy like this to happen at that moment is it just magnifies how terrible of a incident this was. I think the the full extent can only of this tragedy can only be grasped if you go online and look at some of the photos from. Yeah, you'll see uh, fans outside of their facilities or just in the streets consoling one another. Probably the one that I that affected me the most was um, three players who didn't make the trip in the locker room. There was a juxtaposition with a shot that occurred after the, the the semifinal where they're all kind of standing in front of the lockers and this from the same angle. It's mm-hmm. just now there's just three guys and it, it's I, I, I'm finding it's strug- I'm struggling to express my feelings of grief and I I've 
my exposure to this team was something we talked about a couple of episodes ago, which was a a great uh, move by this this player uh, named Tiaguinho, who during a game against San Lorenzo, the San Lorenzo player grabbed onto his shirt, and you know we remember we talked about how yeah, he got yeah. pulled like several feet. And that was my first exposure, and I'm just from that and and reading about some of the stories of you know new fathers, new husbands, um, being lost. It, it's it's hard to put my grief into words, and I cannot even imagine what the people from this town, the, the their wives, the other relatives, the 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 coach's son who missed this flight because he forgot his passport at home, the grief and the guilt that they feel. Yeah, there's. Those people who didn't make the trip for whatever reason will all will live with this for the rest of their lives, and that's awful. And with each tragedy, there is um, great people who come out of this and offer different things, like uh, uh, Brazilian champion uh, Palmeiras. Palmeiras. Palmeiras um, is petitioning the Brazilian soccer, uh, football confederation to wear. Uh, their jerseys, Chapecoense's jerseys. jerseys for their final game. Uh, Brazilian teams are trying to work it so Chapecoense can um, not be relegated from the first flight for at least three years, that they can take players on loan from other clubs for free. I think maybe the the biggest of this is that their opponents in the Copa Sudamericana, Atletico Nacional, um, from Colombia, from Colombia. Um, they requested that the rather than just you know no final be contested, that the f- title actually go to Chapecoense. Which the, the really cool thing that I, I saw a great little um, cartoon, comic, doodle, whatever you want to call it on Twitter, where you know how players go up uh, a lineup and then someone goes and puts medals around their heads. It's essentially Saint Peter putting halos. You know, in the same way, and uh, I, I thought that was that captured just some of the feelings that that are that are around, and I I, I applaud the the Colombian team for for taking that step. It's just been, I think, a worldwide outpouring of grief of support uh, in a way that really reminds us how personal this sport is. You know, we and and how as much as it emphasizes opposition sometimes, mm-hmm. the togetherness that it creates is really very strong because I mean. Can you imagine something like this? I mean, happening here or, or uh, you know, folks, uh, some of the older folks in Manchester remember very well the Munich well, air disaster. The older folks in West Virginia when the Marshall College football team crashed and they mm-hmm. lost almost all their players. Yeah. Um, my uncle played for the Wisconsin Badgers and they would take two separate planes to each away game they had to fly to just for that reason. That's incredible. It's, it's crazy how it this is. affects the People one ever. the one thing that I'm gonna kind of take from this um, one of the club supporters um, was speaking to the media and he said quote they were such humble boys we all knew them they took time to talk to us take photos visit people in the hospital I know that other teams are not like this heartbreaking mm-hmm. you know it, this wasn't just a a big team that had some sort of tragedy. This was very much a local club that was part of the community in a 
a, a relatively small city. Yeah. You know, this is this is an entire city that is losing perhaps the greatest star that they have. I'd encourage you at this point to go onto Twitter, to look at the hashtag, to go on, read some articles and celebrate the lives of these people um, who were lost in this in this crash. Because there's some incredible players. If you want to go watch one highlight, actually, the, the goalkeeper Danilo uh, in, in the semifinal in the, saved this, uh, inc- two inc- made in two incredible saves in the dying seconds of the game, which sent this team to the finals. And... And I, I encourage you to see that and this uh, video of all the players celebrating and, and use that to remember and memorialize these players. Well, with that, we will call this quick segment about Chapecoense to an end. We'll take a quick break and then we'll come back uh, with the rest of our show. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. It's a bit of a bummer so far, but we got to keep the show moving on. We got to get you keep bringing you the news. We got to keep bringing you the jokes. But let's start with some celebrations over at the major listening service segment. We're talking about the MLS, guys. Indeed. And congratulations to the Seattle Sounders for making it to the MLS Cup Finals. Everybody, including the very learned capo, is very excited for this. Fight. <laughs> and win <laughs> and win hey, right uh, he goes to England every summer to learn their chance uh, and then he comes home and invents them in Seattle again in fact I I'm mean, pretty sure Seattle invented the MLS Cup it, it, to be honest though if if the capo is going every summer to learn the chance he's not going to actually learn anything right like there's there's not soccer that happens during the summer in England that's the joke.jpg so we're going to call oh, Jordan Morris uh, Jomo. I hope they're calling him jo- Jomo scored. Jomo did score. He scored the only goal of the game while getting tweeted in the knee by uh, the McMathlete. Ow. Yeah. That um, hurts. Probably should have been sent off, but yeah. I don't he, think Seattle was complaining too much. Was he already sick? Yeah. He had the flu, um, which basically means he's the Michael Jordan of MLS. So Basically. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for the Jordan Morris crying memes to just rain down on us. <laughs> when they lose to yeah. whoever, whatever Canadian team beats them. Isn't that game weeks. happening right now? No, it's no, tomorrow. 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 Okay, okay, okay. Well, if you're listening to this Wednesday night, it's happening right now. Ooh, Ooh. Podcast magic. Anyway. Uh, we're not going to spend our time trying to describe what we think happened in that game. But you said this game was really boring. It was really... Uh, the first half was a, a snooze fest. The only stat that I find any joy in is that Colorado had 16 shots zero of them went were on target which <laughs> is very impressive that's like in the me, wrong way that's like me after four shots <laughs> uh, uh, by the way uh, you just mentioned Canada 10% of Canada turned in for the impact Montreal versus Toronto FC uh, first leg and at this point we're contractually obliged to say sorry so sorry, sorry. yep well, sorry they probably saw the Turned it on when the game was supposed to start and saw them painting lines on the field. Oh, it, what are they doing? That's a little understand. overplayed, isn't it? Uh, but no. no. There's okay. no excuse for that. I know that it's it's not Montreal's typical stadium, but still, it just learn the dimensions. That just seems obvious. It also, 
figure it out earlier in the day, not right before the game's supposed to start. Yeah. Well, uh, in other news that we've mentioned in previous episodes, where now we have numbers, I'm just going to read out the, the numbers. The Fire have offered Bastion Schweinsteiger a three-year contract worth $16.5 million and bus fare from downtown Chicago to Toyota Park in uh, Bridgeview. Which, every, in and of itself, game. I think that would involve five or six transfers, so that has to be worth $16.5 million. I think so. That's about how much it costs. Uh, my autocorrect on the phone thinks someone named Solomon Gerard uh, retired from the LA Galaxy last uh, I t- week. I, I take offense to this. Yeah, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb, it's, who's this Solomon Gerard? It's uh, Steven Gerard, and how dare you guys? So, some third-rate <laughs> English player, obviously, who could never make it in the national team. <laughs> Okay, okay, calm down, calm down. For our listeners... He's turning green, everybody. (laughs) There's smoke coming out of his ears. He's getting muscles. First Coutinho, now this. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that, we'll get to that. Peter Vermees, uh, star coach over at uh, Sporting Kansas City, which, by the way, I just want to say something really uh, for a second, which is that Minnesota United came out last week and said that they were going to have a major sporting announcement on Tuesday. And then on Sunday night, Sporting Kansas City came out and said they're going to have a major sporting announcement on Tuesday, which I thought was great. Like, a major sporting announcement from Minnesota and a major sporting announcement in KC. It's funny because capitalization. Exactly. So, for Peter Vermees, he's going to stick around at SKC for 2019. How does this make you feel? Good move for KC, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Lock him down now before any of the other teams... Before, like, the Dallas goes after him. Before, yeah. like, the Cosmo... Wait, oh. Oh. Um, NYCFC, speaking <laughs> of New York, released a few people. Uh, we don't really need to talk about them. Uh, it, really quick, though, there's just a number of guys that were kind of surprising that they got released to the point that maybe the re-entry draft this year is actually going to be worth looking at. Typically, it's kind of a total scrap heap of players, but... Maybe there will be a, a couple of gems that you can find in there. If you'd like to look at these gems, go on to 55.1 and check out the great previews that are being written over there for the draft. So a couple of uh, legends have said that they're going to not be coming back after next season. <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying this voice. That makes one of us. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kaka and uh, Andrea Pirlo are... I've said that this next season in MLS is going to be the last season in MLS. First Gerard, then Lampard, now this. How will we go on? I don't know. We've signed some younger players, MLS. Is that so hard? Apparently but, it is. But, but Giovinco. Sorry. Hey. Minnesota hey. United has two, possibly two players right now. They're both under 30. So I'm just saying that right now. See? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing it right, guys. Duh. League. I was right. I was just gonna say that you said Giovinco. Sorry, because he's from <laughs> Toronto. Contractually obliged. Every time we bring up Canada, we gotta say sorry, sorry. So, and you have to order a four by four from Tim Hortons. Sorry, we can do that now in Minnesota. I'm so excited. <laughs> I live like two miles away from one of the Tim Hortons. Why haven't we got sponsored by them? This is the second time we're mentioning them on this show. This is like this podcast is sponsored by Tim no, Hortons. No, not yet. Go talk to them, and then we can actually say that. Tim Hortons. Sorry, America. Finally, in uh, coming soon to the major listing service, they've put up the board outside the house, uh, but they haven't started doing tours just yet. Uh, Don Garber was in uh, Cincinnati visiting FC Cincinnati, uh, or wait, no, Cincinnati FC. My bad, everybody. And he said, "Quote." 
Cincinnati deserves an MLS team. Shock, hype, speculate, gasp. Um, <laughs> how many other places? Has he said this? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> Everywhere deserves an MLS team. Some, but some places that deserve an MLS team are more deserving than the others that deserve an MLS team. I, I just figure that like the top 150 um, metropolitan specialized areas are mm-hmm. going to just a mass in Oprah Winfrey studio and then they're just going to show up and all of a sudden she'll be like you get an MLS team and you get an MLS team and you get an MLS team everyone gets an MLS team you know we won't have to talk about ProRel after that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I honestly can't wait for David Beckham's FC Cincinnati so <laughs> it's going to be great <laughs> uh, uh, I can't think of a segue between uh, David Beckham and Minnesota unless you think he's going to make a shock comeback and come back as Minnesota United's designated player. But it's time to slap on our DNR badges, put on our little funky hats, and say only you can stop wildfires. Because a lot of pressure. We're going on to our, <laughs> our loon monitoring segment where we talk about Minnesota United. The uh, first piece of news is I'm shocked this was such a surprise. Oh my gosh. Adrian Heath was announced as Minnesota United's coach in completely unexpected news. Yeah, um, because this wasn't reported like two or three weeks ago. See, unlike everybody else, though, we left something to talk about this week. Because last week we were talking about this and we said, you know what, guys, we'll talk about the system next week after it's official. Because we knew that there was nothing left to talk about for anyone else, except this is the one podcast that will not bore you by covering the same news again. Uh, Speaking of which, we should again cover why Adrian Heath was made to leave from Orlando very briefly. Because there was a great uh, Guardian article that someone... From last year that someone reposted. Yeah, and I want to flesh this out just a little bit. It seemed as though a lot of the reason that Adrian Heath was fired was because of some board tensions. Um, It seems more and more that those board tensions were that a number of members of the Brazilian Sarkakas staff, so to speak, um, you know, people that were kind of within his entourage were actually hired by Orlando City in um, some fairly meaningful positions to the point where if they felt as though there was some sort of slight against him, they would be able to rein it down on the playing staff, on Adrian Heath, on his assistant coaches. And that apparently made for a very toxic atmosphere that pretty much made it that if Heath underperformed in any way, shape, or form, they would end up getting, you know, just completely livid with him. So I don't want to say the word railroaded about Adrian Heath, but the writing seemed to be on the wall with him come the start of 2016, and sure enough, he got canned. His nickname is Inchi because of his small stature, according to Wikipedia. Uh, so I believe it. I can confirm from standing right next to him not two hours ago. He is on the short side. His system that he prefers typically is a four-two-three-one, which is kind of basically what Manny Lagos used to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, same formation, a... probably different roles for each player, but um... yeah. The one thing that I've I've noticed from watching a couple of Orlando City games. It seems a little more rigid in the formation than mm-hmm. maybe Carl Craig had. Right. But, um, you know, you tend to have 
two actual defensive midfielders as opposed to a defensive midfielder and a defensive midfielder that turns into a central, maybe an attacking kind of <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. And, yeah. and honestly, like I've, I've wrestled with whether or not the problem was that it was Ibsen or if it was just the fact that Carl Craig wasn't as strict with his tactics. At this point, it's worth noting there is still no news about what happens to Carl Craig. Stay tuned for more reports next week. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? No comment. Shut up. You're the one saying no comment, not me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say this. I talked to Eric Durkee during the um, event that they had at the local um, this evening, and he didn't say no comment to me. I, I was completely flabbergasted <laughs> did he I didn't... say i have nothing to say to you on the record um no and he also didn't say i'm a little bit busy i'm taking this picture of a pizza like mm. <laughs> or an old-fashioned or an old-fashioned old fashion. hey getting or... back to adrian heath's yep. formation you know the thing that we were supposed to talk about uh, <laughs> he prefers the the fast striker Silo yeah. laren <laughs> Kyle, Dom Dwyer. Kyle Laren. Um, he worked with Dom Dwyer while he was on loan at the USL Orlando City. Uh, uh-huh. Kind of developed his game. Uh, Dom Dwyer has been very complimentary of Adrian Heath and credited him to credited him for getting his game to the to the next level. Um, well, Christian is a very speedy guy sometimes. Hey, who said anything about Christian? I didn't say anything about Christian. You said something about Christian. <laughs> Shut up. He's not as fast as Dwyer or Laren. It'll be interesting if we sign him, how he fits in to um, Adrian's style of play, while uh, Jeremy Ababise uh, is there. Who is a great Twitter follow. Great. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Really cool. Um, who's probably... He's about, he's about as sure to be on our roster as Justin Davis and Kevin Venegas are. It's probably it's mostly likely to happen. We're probably going to take him in the first round with our first pick. So next week, Jeremy Abubise goes off to the New York Cosmos. Uh, coming to you <laughs> womp, next next womp. episode of this podcast. Hey, uh, one thing that dropped that was new at this press event this afternoon was that Minnesota is hoping to have their academy going in 12 months. Uh, according to, I believe Adrian Heath was the one who said this. So what happened was Adrian Heath said, we hoped... Or I'm looking forward to this academy that's going to be happening in a you know a, a year or two, something like that. And then I think it was Manny who said it like off screen next year. Okay. Like they did not want to announce this at all. It was just that somebody accidentally said something, so they had to actually. Okay. You know, it's say about it. time somebody accidentally said something because <laughs> it gives yeah. us more information and more news, and it's fantastic. Yep, yep. We're bathing in the glow of information today. Uh, they're going to go, Manny and uh, Adrian Heath and she are going to go off on a trip to South America starting very soon, as reported by Andy Greeter first. So that'll be fun. Yep. With that, it's time to talk about something far more exciting than, you know, stuff happening in our local environment. Because everyone knows that when, when, we, when we talk about soccer... In America, it's hard to avoid the most vaunted brand, the greatest brand, the the linchpin, the pillar, the um, cornerstone of American Pele, soccer. Beckenbauer. Um, um, the other dude. Uh, the other guy. Yeah. Raul. What other fellow was there? Yeah. Um, Raul was there. 
No, Raul was there back in the 1970s, right? Yeah, exactly. So we're I, I'm obviously sure he's that old. <laughs> we want to get onto the NASL and Cosmos. So it's time to move on to our pyramid scheme section when we talk about the rest of the United States soccer pyramid. And we bring you a new seg- mini segment within a segment called NASL Mageddon 2016. This week's episode, fuck the Cosmos. Fuck the Cosmos. Right? Exactly. Um, this story came out in bits and pieces, guys. And almost out of nowhere. There were no inklings of this throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm, I'm used to season-long implosions of teams. You know, Fort Lauderdale, we knew there were issues back in maybe May or June. Rio, we knew that there were issues in June. Like, the Cosmos thing just seemed to just explode and implode within a day, but maybe there's Those three signs days of hope. Three days. So, firstly, it was like, I think it was like Thursday or Friday that there was a tweet that said, uh, Cosmos might uh, be questioning the NASL's like, future or whatever. Okay, so this came out and everyone was like, oh my god, what's happening? Why are the Cosmos saying this? Cosmos, everyone loves them. Uh, then, uh, I might be paraphrasing just a little. <laughs> then, Yesterday, Empire of Soccer, who put out great content, by the way, came out and wrote a piece on the Cosmos that said that its employees, about 60 to 80% of the front office staff, have put on a week-long furlough right after Thanksgiving. Imagine that, coming home from family or coming back to work after hanging out at home with family and being told, yeah, we want you out of here for like seven days. Sorry, we're going to pay you less right before Christmas. That's really shitty. I just bought a TV on Black Friday sales. Why am I suddenly getting a furlough, man? Right, exactly. It's pretty crappy, okay? Then we found out in the same article that payroll for players had been an issue. And in fact, Gio Savarese had had to intervene to make sure that the players were paid on time. So this is the same kind of crap that's been happening with the with the strikers, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard before that there have been cuts in, in, in a few different areas of the Cosmos this year that overall maybe their budget wasn't as high as previous years. In fact, today, Fury Fanatic came and said that Raul's salary for last year had been higher than the entire Ottawa Fury's salary for that same year that they faced each other in the NASL final. That's incredible, okay? And then this morning, Pedro Hazer from, I believe he's, he's from Florida, reported that the Cosmos have told the NASL that they will cease their operations. Now, commenced Twitter freakout and about took about four or five hours before the Cosmos came out and said, hey guys, we're actually like looking for investors. We, are, we remain committed to being back somehow. And there's lots and lots of now just all sorts of information pouring out. Some of it confirmed, some of it not. Um, Colin, you wrote a great article about this. Yeah, so um, Jeff Carlisle, who writes for ESPN FC, uh, really just had the expansive, this is everything that is going on article. Um, As far as the Cosmos go, it seems as though their big concern is whether or not it's worth it to continue on if NASL is going to slip down to a Division Three league as opposed to continuing their ambitions towards Division One, which, just as an aside, why did anyone believe that the NASL was going to be a Div 1 league? Nobody did. I don't think Bill Peterson believed it when he said it either. I think this was like all sorts of guff that now... I mean, anyway, we can have all sorts of schadenfreude about this, but it's it's let's just um, say this, that if NASL does become D3... 
I think the Cosmos were generally just worried about have the minor league team perception. But if NESL does become D3, teams like Indy, teams like the Deltas, maybe even Miami, maybe even Carolina, I'm not sure they want to be D3 teams. I think they jump ship and go to USL. And there is some talk about Nippon, who's a phenomenal dude who has some great sources out of Indy. Seems like he just came out of nowhere this year and started giving terrific information that's been validated over and over. So go follow him, Nippon. Um, he said that many NASL teams have been talking to USL, that there's reports of a merger being considered, but USL is playing hardball now, knowing that they have the cards. So we might see some back and forth between the two leagues if NASL does indeed embrace a D3 status. Or if the NASL goes away, USL might end up taking in the stragglers. Maybe not all, though. But. Yeah, and some more reports have come in have basically said that both Sunil Galati is aware of the situation, which you would assume that a USSF president is apprised of the situation as much as us three that are sitting around a table doing a podcast while drinking a bunch of beers. Um, but more importantly, um, Alec Papadakis, the I believe he's, is he the USL president or chief operating officer? We'll call him the Kaiser of USL, okay? Sure, sure. Um, so he is actually in Atlanta right now uh, where the NASL Board of Governors basically... They're, uh, buy one, get one free. Yeah. So um, it, it, it seems as though USL, by multiple accounts is posing itself as a place to to land for some of these NASL teams that are looking to jump ship or will have to jump ship because their ship has totally sunk. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a little too late. All right. Um, well, we'll come back next week with another episode of NASL Armageddon 2016 and, and have much more to say. For now, let's also just add one sad note, which is One World Sport, the streaming bin of existence of a lot of NASL fans and um, NASL's first uh, national broadcaster is said to also be furloughing employees and reports are emerging that they will also fold uh, soon. They just got onto DirecTV, man. Bummer. Hey, there's some stuff that Bruce Arena said. I mean, there's one quote where he literally said shit. Yay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, by the way, um, because he said shit, we need to jump into the sewer where all the shit goes. See, I was going to segue right past the segment for this week because we've got so much more to talk about and not a whole lot of time to do it. But that's such a great segue. Oh my god, I'm gonna leave that in there just because it's so great. But we will have to skip the sewer for this week because we are. <laughs> yeah. Good job, but too bad. Too, we can't talk about the U.S. men's Ninja Turtles um, or the women's Ninja Turtles this week. So we're at this point we're gonna take a quick break. We will return with our trip to the pub. We'll take a flight during this break over to England and go into the pub to talk about the EPL, and then we'll come back with a couple other segments before we end. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. This week, the pub we are going to is called the Bald Eagle. And speaking of the Bald Eagle, uh, Bob Bradley won his first game as a Premier League manager, the first American to win a Premier League game. Congratulations to LaBob, Pharaoh, Bob, 
I'll probably... I'm pretty sure the headline from this game in the New York Post is America beats uh, Crystal Palace 5-4. to four. <laughs> it, It's funny because Crystal Palace's mascot is an, an eagle. eagle. Right? Yeah. This reference is all around, folks. The most intellectual oh soccer man. park podcast that you'll ever listen to. So here's the thing. If you followed Swansea Twitter between the time that Swansea was up 3-1 against Palace... Everybody was ecstatic that Bob Bradley was going to win. Um, all of a sudden, they went down four to three against Palace, <laughs> and everybody was like, "Why the hell did we sign this guy? You know, we need to fire him as soon as possible." And the then Jurgen Klinsmann reaction, essentially. Yeah, yes. And then within the last five minutes of the game, he has his team win it five four. Yeah, uh, it, it was brilliant. Yeah, like if. If soccer has a mental disorder, um, it, it would probably be bipolar, and I, I can say this from personal experience. So, oh, okay, All right. okay, thanks. For Things sure. just got dark. Uh, Coach Alan Pardew for Crystal Palace is definitely on the hot seat. Also being linked with the England job at the same time, which is fantastic. Um, you can't not be up for firing in the Premier League and totally in line for the England job. But, uh, like, Crystal pa- it just can't not happen. Crystal Palace has the least amount of wins in the 2016 calendar year out of any English team in the top four flights. So just put that out there. I'm, I'm I don't just, for England, I guess. I'm going to say, by the way, um, I think Solomon Gerard is going to be the next <laughs> England manager, okay? He actually turned down the MK Dons manager position, so... Oh, man. Wait, Why? is that an actual thing that happened? <laughs> that is yeah, an actual yeah, thing that, that happened. Oh, my happened. God. <laughs> hey, uh, one really cool thing that the EPL did last week was that they participated in Stonewall, which is an LGBTQ organization. They had a Rainbow Laces November week of action. All EPL teams and a bunch of other squads all participated. Uh, this was a great move. The one thing I will mention, though, is that the downside of being a league that is followed literally around the world means that there was a lot of anti-LGBT backlash on Twitter, which it's worth noting that that I think it's, it's generally a good thing that this sort of thing happened. It gets people to question their beliefs when their heroes are embracing something that they see as an anathema. And maybe some of these people, you know, some of them are loud and going out there and cursing, but a few others think, huh, Maybe if he thinks this is okay, maybe what? Am I sure what I believe? So, so I I have to commend mm-hmm. the EPL for for participating and every other club that did like Newcastle. And I I must say that when you looked at the backlash on Twitter, you saw red eggs, you saw orange eggs, you saw yellow eggs, you saw green eggs, blue eggs, indigo eggs, violet eggs. You saw egg avatars from the entire Twitter sphere. And egg avatars, the, no- the entire rainbow, which. Made themselves a rainbow when they were being so angry. So jokes on them. They supported LGBT. So, so for those of you who are, aren't active Twitter users, eggs denote new accounts on Twitter that haven't been personalized. Basically, throwaway accounts. Uh, let's have our weekly "Let's Laugh at Jose" segment because this seems to be a recurring thing that we've. Hang on. Kind of Wait a second. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> what okay. An idiot. So. So here's what happened. Um, Jesse Mourinho kicked a water bottle in the direction of a referee and uh, promptly got set off. Literally bottled it. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) 
What's what's so shocking is that Jose Mourinho this year has twice as many red cards as <laughs> the rest of the red side of Manchester. And also the same amount of red cards as Manchester United home wins. Two. I think this Two. is their worst start to a season. I think it's ever. Not ever, ever? in the Premier League era. Well, so, um, yeah. Yeah, um, in better news for Manchester United, maybe Zlatan Ibrahimovic is sticking around until the end of 1718. Sorry, Minnesota. Uh, oh, oh, man. No, What's SB Nation going to write about now? <laughs> and another really interesting stat that the, that was dug up on Twitter, which, by the way, I love EPL stats because there are so many EPL fans that people come up with the dumbest stats. This one's actually fun. There have been no wins in Manchester, either by Manchester teams or by other teams in the Premier League since September. Like, there have been... No games have been won. They're all draws. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> right? Uh, Man City did win a game this last weekend, but it was, uh, it was at Burnley, where Burnley's Paul Robinson, their goalkeeper, who I remember playing in, like, FIFA 06, a former England keeper, played for the first time since 2012. That's nuts. Is there any reason why he wasn't playing, or just because he's old and a backup? Uh, you kind of... Okay. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew that already. I was just asking for the listener. Haha. Sergio Aguero has 16 goals in 18 games. Wow. That's incredible. That is impressive. Mm-hmm. Chelsea got scored on. We were talking about last week how Antonio Conte had, you know, zero goals. Oh, my God. But they got scored on. I think they still won the game, though, didn't they? Against yeah. Spuds. Yeah. They still won. Yeah. Um, Victor Moses is apparently a good player again, which is super weird. Because he was supposed to be very promising. They're not loaned out to, I think, West Ham or Stoke or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the, some mid-table EPL teams. Didn't really have any breakout seasons until he's back with his parent club. And he's tearing it up under Antonio Tante. So good for him for reviving his career. I just mm-hmm. heard, just heard that uh, there's interest in him from Barcelona. On some podcasts I was listening to. So there's that happening now in the you world. You know, alongside sending an audio recording back to uh, 2014 of Donald Trump as president, we should send our audio recording of Barcelona is interested in Victor Moses. <laughs> <laughs> no so, way. Right. <laughs> this will never happen. And then now we're just sad. <laughs> hey, what did Arsenal do this past weekend? Uh, 3-1 against Bournemouth. Happy? It was an okay game. Wasn't, uh, what's his face, um, Welbeck in the crowd, like, poking... Uh, so, Jack Wilshire was ineligible to play for Bournemouth uh, right. because he would have been facing his uh, loaned club. So, instead, he was up in a box with Danny Welbeck, uh-huh. who, every single time that Arsenal scored, just completely gave tons of shit to Jack Wilshire. <laughs> As he should. As he a- should. Absolutely. As he should. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> I I really hope that Jack Wilshere can figure out a way to be healthy for more than five days at a time. But at the same time, you would certainly hope that Danny Welbeck would say, "This is what's happening to your club now, man." Right? He's uh, Jack Wilshere is the English Abu Dhabi. But uh, anyway, so was Danny Welbeck actually. Yeah, he's also injured all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the difference though is that Abu Dhabi was never a top bants person on Twitter. Danny uh, Welbeck, fantastic banter. Okay, all right, we'll all follow him. Awesome. Hey, Speaking y- of bants... Yeah, uh, Jurgen Klopp had some bants for his own 
fans. Um, what happened? I saw this video. He was angry. So we, uh, we Liverpool won against Sunderland. You can say we. We won against Sunderland. I say we about Arsenal. You we can won, say we about Liverpool. We won two nothing, but our first goal wasn't stored until late in the game, and um, Liverpool. The fans were very negative um, when uh, the players made a bad pass or, or turned the ball over. Just a bunch of drones from the stands. And then it all went away when we scored because that's how fans are. And then at, uh, I think Milner had a penalty in like the 90th minute. But Clopton was like, you can't be negative the whole entire time and expect to win. I mean, he was be literally positive. shouting at the crowd. Yeah, from the during the game too, I was yelling like, don't be negative. Be positive. Probably more colorful language than I'm using right now. But basically, get on your feet, stand up, cheer. Don't jeer your, don't uh, boo the players on the on the pitch. Um, this is on our notes for for the next segment. But I just want to bring it forward. Besiktas was playing Benfica in the Champions League. We're three nil down at halftime, and before the players went into the tunnel, the Besiktas crowd cheered the living hell out of them the whole stadium was going nuts you can hear it on the video and the players you know they acknowledge the crowd and they go down the tunnel come back tie the game 3-3 by the end of it yeah that's the power of a crowd that's behind uh players it's incredible so so Klopp was on something right but there's one other Liverpool game also in the Sunderland game Coutinho uh was oh, injured right. that's right ankle injury uh five to six weeks boo twitter uh, blew up before the injury was released and with they were thinking two to three months so this is better news guys he's gonna be fine he'll be okay it's all good I'm not worried um, uh, Liverpool played Le- wait hold on you're in the fetal position right now Caleb <laughs> don't judge me Colin um, and some better Liverpool news uh, Lead we beat Leeds in the EFL Cup for the EFL who gives a crap cup um, but <laughs> I'll tell you who does a trap, Ben Woodburn. <laughs> a terrible name for a sponsor company. <laughs> it's it's really weird, but I mean, they paid the money, so it's their name. Uh, ben Woodburn, all at the ripe ripe young age of seventeen years and forty five days, becomes the youngest player ever to score for Liverpool. What the hell are you doing with your life, listener? I'm well. I'm doing this podcast, so obviously better than him. <laughs> yeah, loser. Like Suck I'm it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. You should be great. <laughs> I just reminded my wife that she's going to turn 28 in like two weeks, and therefore she's going to pass the rock star death age oh. of 27. And rather than make her feel accomplished for you know living past 27, she just realized, oh my god, I'm less accomplished than Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, like... All those people are pretty accomplished. I mean, yeah, but but yeah, they're she, also all dead right now. She also the, isn't doing copious amounts of drugs, so maybe yeah. you should tell her to get on I that. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, am I the younger, uh, uh, the oldest person on this podcast? Yes. Yeah, yeah you are. Ah, God. Damn. I'm not even in my, in my mid twenties yet, technically. Oh my God! I'm still what? in my twenties. I'm firmly in my mid twenties. Yeah. I'm like 17 years and 45 hey, days nah, just like Ben. where did that cane come from? 
our next segment is uh, they don't call it soccer, but in bracket some do though, uh, which is about all the other places of the world that we haven't talked about yet, and other competitions that we don't, haven't talked about. One interesting piece of news from Brazil, which is that Palmeiras, who won the Brazilian championship last week, Z Roberto. Now this is a dude I remember playing with in like FIFA ninety eight. Okay, like the. F- First versions of FIFA. I'm pretty sure I remember Z Roberto from N64. Right. Z Roberto, <laughs> actually at age 42, won the Brazilian championship with Palmeiras. Incredible. Speaking of things that are very old, Celtic won their 100th trophy and their first one under Brendan Rodgers when they won the Scottish Cup last week. Who is Brendan Rodgers? <laughs> The, the mental block has worked. Just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Repressed <laughs> memories, like uh, UEFA Champions League news, guys. Um, eight four. What does that mean to you guys? Is that a a formation that a team played? Jurgen Klinsmann with the U.S. Men's National Team. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Dortmund eight, Legia Warsaw. Four, because defense doesn't matter. <laughs> it was so entertaining to watch this. It was remarkable. <laughs> Incredible game. I tuned in at like 7, uh, not 7-3, I think it was like 6-3 or something like that when mm-hmm. I tuned in. And I didn't even watch most of the goals and still probably one of the most entertaining games of soccer there watched all year. A, there was a point in the in the game, I think when Dortmund scored their, like, their second and third and fourth goals where literally Dortmund Twitter couldn't keep up. And they would tweet out the next goal and then like, oh crap, someone just scored and delete the tweet. And then like try to do, we haven't been able to keep up, so we just scored three goals. Holy crap. <laughs> that was incredible. Uh, Christian Pulisic was there. Yay. Didn't he get an assist, I think? Maybe. I mean, who didn't get an assist in this game? Yeah. So, Speaking of young players who play for the United States, who are teenagers and play in top leagues in Europe, oh, yeah. Josh Perez got a start for Fiorentina. Exactly. And Sierra. Yep, he played something like 12 minutes and got a few touches and didn't really do anything. Yeah, for Josh Perez. Yep. Uh, Monaco beat Tottenham 2-1. Cue laughter. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Okay, Simpsons character. Yeah, that's better. They've missed their Europa League spot. Yeah, I mean... They're so used to playing on Thursdays that playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays just completely threw them off. So they wanted to make sure that they would at least have a couple of games that were a little bit closer to their heart. There you go. But I will say, uh, relevant to your interest, Chelsea got really good this year without being in Europe. That new coach thing might have something to do with it, but not being in Europe, obviously. So who knows? Maybe Tottenham gets really good. Be careful what you wish for. No, no, no. Tottenham's still in Europe. It's just that they're in Europe. Uh, ah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, there, there's a big difference, and it's like four miles uh-huh. Uh-huh. away. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, getting on the things that are slightly more frustrating for you, PSG tied Arsenal 1-1. Yeah, I didn't watch this game because... I... This is the same mental block that happened with uh, Caleb no, no, and no. Brendan Rodgers. Am I saying that right? <laughs> <laughs> this is no. This is what happens when I have a job uh, and I don't have free data on my phone. Uh, well, you gotta find a way to splice. You know, like they did in that movie Hackers. Like splice, hack the net. You know. Anyway, hack the planet. Anyway, um, I did watch this game. 
Michael Owen was on the money when he tweeted out, any young footballer, watch Cavani's movement, the best in the business. Just close your eyes when he's about to finish. He's very Omar Daly-esque in that, in that way. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no one that can cut through a defense so easily. And there's also no one that can miss a goal so easily. Also, this is the only podcast that has ever compared Edinson Cavani to Omar Daly. Just exactly. want to put that out there. Cavani and Aaron Ramsey fought uh, during this like foul. Basically, I forget, one of the Arsenal players went down. Cavani was mad. He thought it was simulation. He kind of, not kind of, he punched Aaron Ramsey lightly, but still he punched him in the chest. Ramsey, of course, grabbed his face. And then when they were going into the tunnel a little bit later, Cavani and Giroud had a little bit of a tussle, which started out of as a hug, and then they turned into like grabbing a neck, and uh, they were making out in, in the tunnel. <laughs> Fans were flying everywhere. People thought they were swapping jerseys. They were just going at it. They were swapping fluids instead of jerseys. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of... No, there's no segue there. <laughs> no, no. Leicester City 2, Club Bruges 1. That takes Leicester into the round of 16. First time in the Champions League, and they're... Ah. So good, and it's it's so inspiring to see them do so well when they're not doing that great in the Premier League. They're like the Leicester of the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rostov beat Bayern Munich. What? Uh-huh. What? Three uh-huh. <laughs> two. Um, this is Bayern in crisis. Uh, I think this is more Bayern in like ten degree Fahrenheit weather. Uh-huh, okay. Well, I was going to say, like, Carlo Ancelotti in the hot seat, but you're just taking away all, like, controversy. Well, it, I'm taking away the hot seat aspect because there's no way that a seat can be hot in 10-degree weather. Very cold, very it's cold. a very cold bleacher seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Uli, Uli Honis was named the Bayern president again. He was the guy who basically made Bayern what it is today under his leadership. He was released in February from prison <laughs> for tax evasion. Just kidding, guys. Don't worry about it. It's cool. I served 21 months of my three and a half year sentence. I'm great now. And brought straight back into the presidency. I so, mean, I made fun of it, but the way our election went, I'm not going to. Right. <laughs> we should <laughs> criticize elections from nope, now on. Nope. Uh, yeah. Uh, and finally, Red Bull Leipzig again won this week, which is incredible. Their record now, I think, is like the best for a promoted team ever. One thing that I think we missed in our discussion of them last week, which was pointed out to me by somebody uh, on social media, was just how incredible it is across the board to see the kind of investment Red Bull have made in the various sports franchises they own. F1... Soccer, uh, maybe with the exception of New York. <laughs> but uh, even New York, though, probably. They don't come in and spend a lot of money on big players, Roman Ibrahimovic style, and just try to like win it outright with the flashy players. They're not Cosmos-esque in that way. <laughs> they, they try to build uh, by investing in young players. You know, In their Formula 1 team, they have two different teams that they own. They have a young driver's program that has been extraordinarily successful in, in bringing the next talent of Formula 1 drivers. So this is a, com- a company that has a deep commitment. You can say what you want about the, how they're perverting the system of German team ownership and things. I think there's valid criticism. But you can't criticize what they're doing with the money that they do spend in the uh, and they're building something sustainable, and I, I have to commend that. Yeah, they're not like you said. They're not paying all their money for like a world class player, like 
maybe Hazard or Pedro or anyone anyone from Chelsea. But uh, they're building, they're buying very promising young players who have um, done well at different levels of the European football pyramid, and they're progressing. They're training very well, and they're actually doing a lot better with RB Leipzig and. They're kind of like the perfect team if you're a, if you play FIFA or Football Manager because they have all those young I, players. I was literally about to say that. Yeah, you know, this is this is very much the Football Manager team. You know, they're doing everything that they're doing off of fairly young talent that was bought at maybe a slight premium because they didn't develop them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, it's time to move on to our conspiracy theory segment. The Reynolds Wrap-Up with Colin. It's time to put on my tinfoil hat. Uh, this week, um, I actually discussed some of this with Mike Pendleton at Fat7Deuce on Twitter. Um, fat, P-H. P-H, yeah. Fat. So, it, I initially thought this was going to be the big NISL news of the week, that Bill Edwards apparently... Oh, sweet summer child. <laughs> oh, man. It seems like years ago that we this were was so young. Like, I, I've lived through 2016. I should have known that the big news story would be, like, completely insignificant with everything else that's happened. But um, Bill Edwards apparently owns the assets of the Fort Lauderdale Strikers as a result of them being insolvent. <laughs> Um, after giving them about $500,000 worth of loans. And I was trying to figure out why the hell would somebody like Bill Edwards decide to make a bunch of loans into a failing investment? Um, uh, Mike Pendleton seems to be of the opinion that this was him trying to make a big power play. The conspiracy that I have is this. Bill Edwards knew full well that the Fort Lauderdale Strikers would not be paying back their loans. Like, he saw the writing on the wall, and he knew instantly that this would just be a quick... You know, this would be like going to an ATM and just taking out $500,000. Because he knew that he would get those assets, and he would be able to flip them as well as he wanted. Like, when I thought that... NASL was actually going to be surviving the week, I thought that this was actually going to be a very good thing for the league, because it meant that Paulo Sesso and everybody with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers would be completely out of the picture. Now that maybe the Fort Lauderdale Strikers would be released into a league that could or could not exist, I'm not as sure, but at the very least... Initially, this seems like a very good investment for Bill Edwards and the Illuminati. Typically, these segments have been kind of comical and funny, but I'm finding myself actually believing this. Soon, I'm going to be starting to like put on a little red hat with writing on it and, like, you know, make an ESL great again and, you know, making dumb choices in the ballot box. Uh. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to get a hat that says, Make America Pro Rel Again. Please. Uh, oh no! Yeah, after after some of the stuff that ProRel Twitter did today, which I'm not going to bother our listeners with, I don't want to hear about ProRel again it. for a while. Don't do it. Yeah. Hey, uh, news today out of NASL, like literally breaking news while we were recording. Yeah. So, um, did you forget already? This was like five I... minutes ago. Yeah, but this is this is how quickly NASL news changes. Essentially, there was a, I, we forget who reported it. Sorry if you're the first source and you're listening. Um, 
the NASL Board of Governors and Sunil Galati and USL had some sort of contentious meeting in yeah. so um, just off of pulling it up Big Apple Soccer was the um, outlet that broke this uh, basically it, it was kind of questionable as to why Sunil Galati Jake Edwards and Alec Papadakis from uh, USL were at the meeting um basically it became quote heated at times as tensions rose um u.s soccer is reportedly ready to give usl second division status next week hooray yeah go team i'm telling you we really made a good decision to switch our format to not talk exclusively about (laughs) nasl We, we promoted ourselves (laughs) <laughs> and we relegated the old format. Okay. Womp, anyway, womp. Uh, on that bombshell, uh, guys, why don't you tell the good people listening in where they can find you on Twitter? You can find me at kolson716. Um, I'm usually tweeting about beer or random cider stuff. So uh, you can find me at the attachment where occasionally I tweet about football manager. You can find me at TWO United fans. That's also where these podcasts come out. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher. SoundCloud, Google Play Podcasts, other fine barriers of podcasts everywhere. You should also tell your friends about this podcast because we do like getting new listeners. Um, if you do have questions that for us, send us on Twitter. If you have conspiracy theories, tweet them over to Colin. He will flesh them out for you. Sometimes it'll be funny. Sometimes it'll be entirely believable like today. But with that, let's call this fourth episode of We Call It Soccer done. Have a great rest of your night, everybody. Forza Chape. Right, so Zero Borto. <laughs> Domo Arigato, Zero Borto. <laughs> you almost keep this taken. I'll put it after the credits. Um, so.